This is the Edify Podcast for the Servant. Hey, before we get into the podcast, let me throw this advertisement to you. A lot of you have asked for it. Here it is, October 28th, 29th, going to be a sermon planning mental health and physical health seminar just for preachers. Uh, October 28th, 29th in Chattanooga, Tennessee. There's going to be a link. Go to the Facebook page of Edify. You'll see it on there. I'm personally going to share it to my page. Also going to have Robert Hatfield with the Light Network and their host of works and podcasts and books. Also, the Jenkins Institute is going to be there. Dale Jenkins will be with us. There's going to be some uh, kind of some open forum panel discussion. There's going to be some tools and resources and things that's going to be given to you. There will be a $25 registration fee. That's going to cover all of the things that you're going to get, uh, some merchandise, some of the things that's going to help you with your preaching, uh, some things that's absolutely crucial, a great toolbox of things, but it's also going to cover your three meals plus your lodging. Uh, stay tuned on the lodging. We're going to get a actual lodge that can house everybody together. So you get there at 1, one o'clock on Friday. You don't have to leave until 1 to 2 o'clock on the next day. Saturday, everybody gets home. You never have to leave. Your meals are taken care of. You're going to get a toolbox of all sorts of things. So October 28th and 29th, be looking for the link that's going to be shared. And we will see you all then. The other day, a friend of mine made this remark, and I found it to be kind of sad. He went to a particular preaching school, and he made the comment. He said, you know, when I was in school, he said, they taught me the Bible, and they taught me how to preach. He said, but as a preacher, he said, they did not teach me how to grow in Christ. He said, they didn't teach me how to further my relationship with him. They just taught me um, exegesis, exposition, word study, and uh, the act of oration um, or the art of, of preaching. And I found, I found that to be kind of sad. Just me personally, um, I, I hate that he feels that way. Some of you may feel that way. Some of you may feel that way now. Some of you may feel as though that you're just preaching. But you yourself are not growing in Christ. You feel like that your relationship with Jesus is just a J-O-B. Um, that, that's... That's not good. You and I should never be there. If you are there, please don't don't be in a, in a sense of shame or lasting shame. Uh, recognize that's where you are. And so what I, I want to do is, is kind of shift the focus into, um, I guess, talking about um, our relationship, relationship with Jesus. We're making some changes at Piedmont Road. Our Sunday night services are no longer the usual. Um we're shifting gears to this relationship. We're going to take Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 uh, in a very real sense. Uh, as a congregation here at Piedmont Road, Paul Sperlin, our connections guy, he has helped shift the gears. Um, and uh, it's been a process. It's been a phase, and we've still got about three more phases to go for the change. You know, Rome wasn't built overnight. Neither, neither were the changes um, that, uh, that need to take place. Uh, you remember in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, he says you're going to receive power from the Holy Spirit uh, and that you're going to be witnesses unto uh, unto him, Jesus, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria. And then he says unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So this isn't that we're left alone. We're not left alone. We're, we're, we're gifted God's grace. We're gifted his spirit through his word. 
Um, we have received this power um, through this written revelation, the complete revelation of God, and and we are to be witnesses. And I've heard some folks say, no, we ain't no witnesses. We ain't no witnesses. And what that is is that's a response to an extremism that's been abused, how the religious world will take the term witness and abuse the term. We're, we are not witnesses of Jesus, but you and I are witnesses of the gospel. And I hear some people say, well, we're not witnesses today. And I'm thinking, no, you're absolutely right. You're not a witness. You you haven't seen, viewed, observed, uh, or taken part in anything of the gospel of Jesus. So that's why we're not evangelistic is because we haven't really taken part. We've not really seen change. We're, we've not really converted to Jesus. Maybe we got in the water and got wet. Um, we performed that ritual. Uh, but that was the extent of it. But But... What our focus at Piedmont Road is to say, hey, first we're going to begin as the church did in, in Acts in Jerusalem. We're just going to take care of ourselves for just a moment, just an inward focus. Let's make sure that we're right. In Jerusalem, we're going to clean house. Then we're going to shift gears to our community, our Judea, uh, and then into Samaria in the greater Marietta, uh, Atlanta region, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth, the 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 mission field outside of our area. Um, so that's that's kind of something that we're doing. And on Sunday nights, we begin with a devotional together for about 15 or 20 minutes. And then we break off into four different groups based on the four different locations. We, we live in a transit area, a busy, busy city, and a very professional city. And so to keep people from falling in the cracks, to keep people from drifting, um, we're... we're um, busted up into these different groups based off location. Each group has an elder within it. Each group has a team leader. Uh, and we have a lot of functions and a lot of things that we're doing, a lot of under under rowing, if you will, in developing the next leaders, the next servants, the next preachers, and uh, ha- you know all, all kind of great things that's going on. But it's about the relationships. And as we're building our relationships with one another, one another then, then only are we able to, to build up the church that we need to have. Um, we've probably had, I want to say maybe six or seven baptisms in the last month and a half, two months. And that's, that's been a blessing. Um, and, and I, and it's my prayer that it's, it's because we're real, we're real people. We talk about real things here at this, at this congregation. And it's our prayer that you do the same. So let's, let's shift the gears and talk about our relationship with Christ and realistically growing in Christ because chances are you're listening to this as you're driving down the road. You're listening to this while you're trying to do two or three other things, and you're just very busy. And we can be busy for the Lord and, and, and not have the Lord involved with anything, any of that which we are busy. Um, so let's number one, let's focus on this thought for the day. If we're going to grow in our relationship with God, with Christ, and with the Spirit, we have to believe. We have to believe in God. You know, when people are asked what they believe in, uh, they give, you know, not, not merely different answers, but, but different sorts of answers. <laughs> Somebody may say, you know, hey, I believe in UFOs, uh, and that means that I think UFOs are real. Somebody might say, I believe in democracy, or I believe in Sasquatch. Um, you know, they, they think that there's proof. If they're, if they're believing in democracy, they believe in, a, you know, democratic principles, and, and those, are just, those are just and beneficial. Uh, but what does it mean when a Christian, and especially a Christian congregation, uh, stand on the premise to say, I believe in God? If you follow um, 
Jordan Peterson at all and read any of his material, he had a hard time saying that he believed in God for so long because he said, if that means, if I believe in God, that means that I will obey God. And I thought, well, even, even somebody who's lost understands that principle. If we believe in it, that means that we think that it works. We believe that the principles and the tenets, to say that we believe in God um, is basic, but it sets the precedence for everything else that we do in the church. You can believe in a UFO without ever looking for one, and you can even believe in democracy without ever voting. Um, and in cases like these, belief is a matter of intellect only. But when you make the statement that I believe in God, um, render a Greek phrase that's coined by the writers of the New Testament. What you're literally saying is, I am believing into God. I remember Brother Mosier at the Memphis School of Preaching telling us that we don't have a good biblical translation or an accurate translation of the word faith, that it's something that is uh, defined as something that we have belief and trust and acceptance or an obedient, an obedient trust in God. So as it is in the New Testament, I, to say that I believe in God, meaning that I am believing into God, that is to say over and above believing certain truths about God, I am living in a relation of commitment to God in trust and in union. Trust and union are not emotions. Those are actions. So when I say that I, I believe in God, um, and when you say that you believe in God, what we're doing is we're professing our, our conviction um, that God has invited us into this commitment and declaring that we have accepted that invitation. It's not just that we've seen the facts. Um, so let's let's talk about faith for a minute. The word faith, um, pistis, the Greek noun, it's, it's formed the verb um, in the phrase believe into or pistuo. Uh, it gets the idea of a trustful commitment um, and reliance that's better than just, quote, belief or belief alone, if you will. Belief suggests bare opinion. Faith, whether in a car or uh, medicine or a protege or a doctor or um, your spouse in your marriage or what you have, is a matter of treating the person or the thing as trustworthy, committing, committing yourself accordingly to those things. The same is true of faith in God and, and in a far, far more reaching way uh, than just those um, rudimental or, or elementary things. It is the offer and demand of the object that determines in each case what a faith commitment involves. So what I mean is to say, I show faith in my car by relying on it to get me to places, and I rely on my doctor. Um, we show our faith in our doctor by submitting to, to his treatments. I and you, we show our faith in God by bowing to his claim to rule and manage this idea of receiving Christ, he gave his, he gave all who received Christ the power to become those sons. That's a biblical idea and what it means to receive him, um, to receive the Son as as Lord, uh, not just Adonai, and but as Yahweh and as Adonai and the Savior, by, by relying on his promises to to bless me here and to bless me hereafter. Uh, this this is. This is the meaning. This is the response uh, to the offer and demand of the God uh, of the heaven. So sometimes faith is equa is equated 
let's say with the awareness of um, one above or beyond or a heart of the things, which from time to time, I guess maybe through the impact of nature, through conscience, great art, uh, being in love, whatever, whatever touches the heart, uh, the hearts of the of the hardest bold, I guess, whether a person takes it seriously um, or not, that, that that's another question in and of itself. But but Christian faith only begins when we attend to God's self-disclosure in Christ in Scripture. Um, it's where we meet Him as the Creator who commands all men everywhere to repent, uh, Acts 17.30, and to believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, as He has commanded us, 1 John 3.23, uh, John 6.28. Christian faith means hearing, noting, and doing what God says. This To, to hear, to accept, to trust, and act upon. That's, that's the biblical word of faith. So when we say we believe in God, that means that it's a moving belief. It's not a sterile faith. It's not something that's just there. We're believing into. There's a motive. There's an action that's involved with this faith. The opposite of faith we may consider to be doubt. Um, God, God's revelation in the Bible has self-evident truth and authority. And I think that in that as we look at this, you you would say, yeah, that's that's true. I know, as you do, that uncriticized preconceptions or maybe prejudices create problems for all of us, and many have have deep doubts realistically. Um, Sometimes we can, if we're not careful, have perplexities about um, elements of the biblical message. And you think about doubt that you may have. You think about the father who took his son to, to Jesus, and he said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. How do these doubts relate to faith? Well, Let's ask the question, what is doubt? It's a state of divided mind or double-mindedness. In James 1, 6, and 8, uh, that's James' concept, It's and it is found both within faith and without faith. In the former case, it is faith-infected, um, sick and out of sorts, I, would, I guess we could say. Um, something's wrong with faith. But in in the latter case, or, or the without, it belongs to a struggle either toward faith or away from God, um, or or a God felt uh, maybe maybe to be invading or making claims one does not want to meet. C.S. Lewis in uh, the the spiritual autobiography, and it's called "Surprised by Joy." You can observe both of those motivations successfully. Um, maybe if I could give you some homework this week, maybe take a look at that. But in our doubts, we think we are we are honest, and certainly we try to be. But perfect honesty is beyond us in this world, and an unacknowledged unwillingness to take God's word about things, whether from difference to supposed scholarship or fear of ridicule or of a deep involvement or from some some other kind of motive, uh, all of that underlines a person's doubt about this or that particular item of faith. Um, this becomes clear uh, in what we might consider retrospect. Um, that we, we could not see something at a particular time. How, how can one help doubters? Let's ask this question. We, we know what faith is. Faith is just believing into God, this faith of action. And doubt is the idea of double-mindedness. How can we How can we help one who is doubting? Maybe you yourself are in doubts. First, let's, ex, let's do this. Let's explain the problem area. Um, sometimes doubts arise. They often arise from just a misunderstanding. Um, so first explain, 
and second, uh, exhibit or exhibiting the reasonableness of Christian belief at that point. When a person brings up the doubt, let's talk. Let's talk about the exhibit, um, the grounds for embracing um, Christian belief, um, the grounds for removing that doubt. Um, explain what 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 are you what are you explain to me what you're doubting. Number two. Show the 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 exhibit or the reasonableness of Christian belief, and then three, exploring what what prompts those doubts. Okay, why do, why do you think you have this doubt? What is it this this in your mind? When you when you think about this for yourself, you're listening to this. What what doubts do you have? This these these are things that can keep you from growing in Christ, keep your situation stale, your relationship to Him stale. Explain to yourself, write down, or maybe talk with a person that you that you know and trust, or break out the legal pad and just explain what the problem is. Um, what what biblical truth is there that that will exhibit the reasonableness for your your faith to intervene in this moment? And then explore. Okay, let's let's go back to the problem. What what is it exactly prompts those doubt? How does Scripture fix this doubt for me? Um, why why am I compelled this way? What's my hesitation? Um, hesitations about Christianity usually have more to do with likes and dislikes, uh, with hurt feelings and uh, social or intellectual or maybe even cultural snobbery um, than we may be aware. So when you have faith, you're having faith into God. You're believing into Him. You're taking the step into this situation. Start over. You know, we, we talk about folks who are wayward. What do you do with wayward people? Well, you go out and you reconvert them back to Jesus. How do you reconvert them? You have them repent and do the first works. If you have a relationship with your spouse uh, and it's and it's beginning to wane, it's beginning to just blah, you know, you raise kids for 18, 20 years, and now all of a sudden you don't know who this person is and you're really not in love with them like you used to be because of life and because of distance and you didn't proactively pursue this 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 relationship. What do you do? You look at each other. You repent for the absent-mindedness that you've had for one another or the exhaustion that the the schedule and the children have wedged between the two of you and say, listen, I don't like where we are. Let's just admit it. Let's recognize our doubts. Let's talk about our fears. What's wrong? What's the problem? Why are we here? And let's repent to each other. Make a commitment to one another. Believe into one another. Have faith into one another. A faith of action, not just a stale faith. And then we do what we did at the beginning to fall in love with each other in the first place. Repent and do the first works. If you lost your first love, it was true revelation. It's true today. So, faith, doubt, do you struggle with it? Um, when we say that, When we say that I believe... Um, we're making a a statement as a worshiper of God. We speak for ourselves. We're, we're, we're proclaiming Christ's philosophy of life, his worldview, uh, those things that, that this, is, this is our life. We're, we're believing into this situation. We're making a commitment to him. Um, we have come into the hands of, of the Christian God, uh, and we're glad to be there. When a person says, I believe, it's an act of praise and of thanksgiving on their own personal part. It is, in truth, a great thing to be able to say that I believe in God. Let me give you a couple couple of passages. Um, and I, I tell you, why don't, why don't you just study these on your own? Uh, take, take the week. Go through Romans 4. 
Hebrews 11, um, Mark 5, 25 through 34. Just kind of dwell on those, marinate on those things. If you're struggling with your faith, if you're struggling with your personal relationship with Jesus, um, with the Christ, um, Romans 4, Hebrews 11, Mark 5, 25 through 34. Um, and ask yourself, what's the essential meaning of faith? Uh, what's the importance of saying that I believe into him? Uh, what what doubts do you have about Christianity that you, that you have to deal with, uh, with yourself? How how can how can I approach my faith, my relationship that's weak, that's waning with God, um, in a most reverent, honest, reverent way? I think when you read the Psalms, you realize that we don't talk to the Lord the way that David did and Asaph and all the others who wrote in the Psalms, um, and that's to our disservice. This week, I want us to help us. I want us to grow in our relationship and our faith to realize that we're having faith into Him. We're believing into Him. We're moving into Him um, throughout our personal life. Take it's it's. I know that it's um, it's Monday. You you just finished preaching yesterday. Uh, come off the mountain. Uh, and go into the cave and sit and be quiet and ask yourself these honest questions. If you find yourself in this season of life, uh, God will meet you there. And uh, you'll have a great conversation with him through his word and through prayer. Tell him how you feel. Um, write some things down. Um, go to his Go to his word. Let him affirm. Let him give you that that solemn truth that you need for your own personal walk. So... Um, Romans 4, Hebrews 11, Mark 5. Um, dwell on those passages. Seep, soak up. Uh, let me use an old, uh, an old Appalachian term. We, growing up around the country kitchen table, grab your biscuit and sop it up. Okay, sop up that gravy um, and grow in your relationship to the Lord. May God bless you as you grow in Christ so that you may effectively preach His Word.